Hello. 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 Hey. Is this Brent Leary? This is he. All right. Uh, so let's uh, let's get started. Uh, uh, can you tell us a little bit about who you are? Sure. Uh, I am uh, the nation's biggest Rams fan that, that start things. But besides that, I'm, uh, is that a, a soccer team? Uh, <laughs> that really hurts, Steve. Jeez, you don't know how much um, football, the, the real football, the American football. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. That took you a while. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, no, independent CRM industry analyst. Uh, based in Atlanta and that's pretty much it not much more to that well I would say that you're under uh, stating uh, some of the things that you've been doing recently uh, that seem to be synchronized with uh, your Rams fandom and uh, also (laughs) parenthetically your CRM uh, analyst uh, status uh, and by that, I mean uh, recording and producing and releasing video. Well, yeah, definitely have been doing a, a lot of that over the last six to 12 months. Um, one uh, kind of a CRM show with our mutual buddy, Paul Greenberg, called CRM Players. And then I do another one with uh, a buddy of mine who's an e-commerce expert, John Lawson, who is, that one's called Watching Amazon. And then um, I do a weekly, it started out as a weekly podcast or audio conversation um, for a site called Small Biz Trends called one-on-one interviews. But I would say, yeah, over the last year and a half, maybe two years, those audio conversations have turned into video conversations. So mm-hmm. I, yeah, I guess I, I do a pretty fair amount of uh, video stuff. Yeah. And you, you have also been uh, venturing into the wonderful world of uh, video analytics and uh, uh, experimenting with uh, real time live, uh, uh, you know, various uh, platforms, including what Facebook, uh, yep, Facebook and more recently uh, LinkedIn Live. So tell me about uh, uh, the more recent stuff because uh, uh, it seems to be uh, you have an interesting community over there and uh, a lot of data points that you're starting to massage with uh, this live strategy. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so I guess at the beginning of the year, LinkedIn announced that they were going to add a live streaming uh, component to their platform. Um, it's been kind of uh, just very slow rolled out. You know, it seems like still only a certain percentage of their community has access to it. I applied. Uh, you have to send in a, a, a application, basically. It's not a big thing, but and it took a couple of weeks, and then I got access to the platform. But um, I've I've used Facebook Live before. I I dabbled with YouTube Live. Um, the things that were kind of missing in both of those, because all of this, the video that I do is more business-oriented. Uh, so one of the main differences that LinkedIn Live, what I was curious about is because it has a built-in uh, you know, business audience, and depending on how big your network is, you know, that could be a pretty significant audience. And so uh, my first, this is kind of blew me away, but the very first time I tried uh, doing a LinkedIn live episode, I was only on for like a minute and a half. And um, I think all I did was look at the camera with a befuddled look because I didn't know if this stuff was working or not. And I just said, "Is, is this working? Can anybody hear me? I did that for about a minute and a half. Um, within the first hour and a half of that, well, I think I had 19 people actually live watching that. And then uh, over the span of like a week or two, it, I had over two 2,000 views and 40-something comments uh, for a minute and a half live stream of me looking crazy. Um, whereas all the different Facebook live um, episodes I've done regardless of whether it's 
CRM players or watching Amazon or just me. Uh, I, I, mean, I never got any of those kind of numbers before. And so I started doing more and more. I've done about four or five live streams on LinkedIn. Uh, and I'm getting anywhere from 500 to 2,000 views. Um, and that's kind of, I think that that's in line with what I found generally with video um, when I was just lo natively loading up video clips to LinkedIn and also when I was doing the same with uh, Facebook and YouTube. It, it's the views and the engagement that I've gotten either via live stream with LinkedIn Live or just natively updating or uploading videos to LinkedIn. It, it's, it's not even close compared to the other ones. The other ones pale in comparison. And so, yeah, I've been really enjoying kind of playing around with it. And, you know, up, I just uploaded a little clip today, uh, about 30 minutes ago. Uh, I did a live stream yesterday. So I'm kind of comparing and contrasting. LinkedIn has started adding additional um, analytics. Before, you really only got three pieces of information. You got, well, I, got, I guess you got four. You got overall number of views top 10 uh, views where that companies at, you know, people at those companies were viewing it from uh, the roles that they had and their location over the last week, they just added total number of minutes, total number of viewers. And, and uh, they, maybe they're just starting to get the hang of LinkedIn being more than just a place you post your online resume, but it seems to be, it to me at least seems like LinkedIn is finding that they do have something with this and and maybe they're using the opportunity to not roll it out to everybody to to fine tune whatever the final offering is going to be well that's been uh, a typical scenario for uh, a bunch of these social networks i'm uh, when facebook live first started it was available i think to robert scoble and nobody else <laughs> uh and uh, then over time it was uh, expanded to include uh, perhaps similar to what you're talking about in terms of uh, registering or uh, pinging them and asking for an account. But they, they quickly, uh, once they got it stable, they, uh, they quickly went uh, broad. And, uh, uh, and YouTube, of course, has had this long history. You, you probably know more about YouTube. Uh, I was always stymied by YouTube in the early days of the Gilmore Gang uh, because they uh, required uh, attribution for, uh, you know, who owns the music and et cetera. And the Gilmore Gang uh, theme music is uh, recorded and produced by myself and my daughter. So uh, nice. we were able to... I didn't to, know that. Yeah. Um, on GarageBand, as a matter of fact, a long time ago. And... Uh, so I would say that uh, to them uh, in the application for posting the file. I don't know, this goes back 15, 13 years or so. And sometimes they would accept it, sometimes they would take it back and you know, basically argue with me. So I quickly got tired of uh, you know, trying to push uh, through that straw. And you know, the show is available on TechCrunch. And uh, more recently, we've also put it on uh, Facebook Live, and uh, I've done recordings with you and the other uh, illustrious members of the Enterprise Gang uh, that uh, uh, reside on uh, Facebook Live. And most recently, we've been doing uh, some experimental uh, Periscope Twitter posts. So you know, I, I see the uh, I see the these brands uh, starting to produce stability and then uh, features, analytics, and finally, uh, this secret sauce that I think you're uh, speaking to, which is the so-called business value. Uh, can you speak to that a little bit more? Yeah, I guess well, it, you have, well, I don't know, six or 700 million people on LinkedIn, and and I think I saw a stat recently where about 100 to 150 million of them are active. And uh, 
I never viewed LinkedIn as really a destination site before. I mean, you know, you you put your uh, professional information in, and I guess if you're looking for a job, it's a destination site. But other than that, I mean, I, I never thought of it as such. And I didn't really pay a lot of attention to it, you know, from a content creation standpoint until, uh, I don't know, maybe uh, a year, maybe a year and a half. And that was just posting links and maybe writing some short articles. But for whatever reason, when they finally decided that uh, they would allow you to upload native natively, you know, videos, I was like, oh, let me just, you know, see what this is about. And um, I guess I started really doing that last year. And I was kind of amazed at uh, some of the, the stats I was seeing because I was so used to kind of, you know, the low ball numbers that you get with Facebook Live and well, at least I get with Facebook Live and YouTube Live. And I mean, I've, I have one video, uh, I think it was like 5,000 views. And I was like, wow. Um, and then it's kind of, it started to make a little bit more sense as I went along because um, of course, anybody that you're connected to whenever, you know, depending on their settings, whenever you upload, um, you know, video, they get notified. You know, they get some kind of thing. Right. That's and, how, uh, you know, somehow I was going to ask you that question is how does, uh, how does that work? Uh, I mean, we're uh, friends or whatever the relationship is uh, as LinkedIn calls it on LinkedIn. Uh, but I suddenly started uh, when you started doing these live posts, I started getting notifications. And since I'm a, huge fan and fascinated by notifications in general, I, of course, clicked on them. Uh, yeah, well, there's there's a difference between, at least for, for what I'm seeing, if I upload a video, um, you know, natively to YouTube, YouTube to, to LinkedIn, it seems like a certain percentage of, of the folks I'm connected to get notified. But when I did these LinkedIn Live it seems like a much higher percentage of people get these LinkedIn live notifications. Mm -hmm. I tend to believe that I think that'll be dialed back as they get more and more people on the platform, because, you know, with everything as, as more and more people get involved, start doing it, then you get littered with notifications. So I'm guessing because I'm pretty early on, uh, I'm getting my, you know, live streams out to a much broader audience and what will be the case when, you know, uh, LinkedIn cuts it loose and lets everybody jump on. But for I, right I, now, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I may be wrong about this or it might be another uh, network, but uh, I believe that there's some sort of option uh, when you're listening to uh, the stream uh, to be able to select that you want to get a notification uh, if the show uh, is starting to record. Uh, and if I did get that, uh, I certainly checked it in your case. You know, I before I got access to LinkedIn Live, I started, uh, I think there were one or two folks that I must have been connected with that got it before me because I did start seeing um, these live notifications where I don't recall seeing this person's notification showing up before. Um, and then it did add, I did have an opportunity to say, do you want, do you want to mute these kind of uh, notifications or do you want to remain getting them? And so, yeah, maybe because there's relatively a small group of people that have access to LinkedIn live that, you know, LinkedIn is pushing, uh, pushing it out there more so to see what happens to see how many people do push back and say, Hey, I don't want this. And I'm sure they're fine tuning everything. Um, but yeah, it seems to me like my LinkedIn live uh, notifications definitely get to a broader set of eyeballs than the other kind of uh, content I post. Yeah. First of all, uh, I think this is uh, reminiscent of the early days of Twitter, uh, you know, where we all, weren't quite sure why we would want to, as somebody said yesterday on uh, some channel, uh, you know, why would I want to know that you're, what you're having for lunch? <laughs> uh, you know, that question I think is, 
was for the first year, at least as far as I was concerned. Uh, I remember uh, Gabe Rivera, uh, who's the proprietor of uh, TechMeme, a great news uh, aggregation site. Uh, he's the one that basically said, you know, I should sign up for that. And I said, why? And he said, just sign up for it. And I did. And then I don't think that I posted anything for about a year uh, because uh, I, I wanted to see, as I think you're describing, what is this good for? And, uh, but I, I had a suspicion what it was good for. And I think I have a suspicion, and I think you do too, of what uh, we're talking about, uh, LinkedIn Live and Facebook Live, uh, et cetera, what you know, social live is good for. Yeah, and I think also one of the things I'm, I, I'm keeping in the, kind of keeping an eye on, you know, not only when I post or whether I'd live stream or upload, um, but I have noticed something really interesting, which tends to believe that they are really tweaking or playing around with the notifications when it comes to live stream versus the other stuff. I've noticed that, you know, when I upload a video, I don't recall ever seeing like the number of followers go down. Um, but I've noticed whenever I live stream or uh, do LinkedIn live, the four or five times that I've done it, I see a tick down in number of followers, which is kind of interesting. I, that, I'm guessing that means that these are folks who just, you know, they didn't want to connect with me to see, you know, to get all these notifications about me going live on video. Mm-hmm. So are they getting, uh, are you doing things other than that on uh, LinkedIn that they, that don't violate their sense of uh, uh, frequency or verbosity? Yeah, that's, uh, I don't think I am. And I, even when, before I got to LinkedIn live stuff, I was, I was very mindful of how many videos I did post. Mm-hmm. Um, like I didn't want to go crazy. Um, and I could because, you know, I go to a lot of these conferences and I'm constantly doing video and I, I got tons of stuff I could put up there. Um, but I don't want to overflow, you know, and, and, you know, get anybody like, oh, why? Here he comes again with another video. Uh, so I've been really mindful. I try to do, you know, try to keep it to no more than two or three a week. Um, and but for some reason, that seemed to be okay because I didn't see any, you know, uh, drops in terms of my follower number going down. And, and I'm not, not, not watching this to try to raise my followers as much as I'm, I, like I said, I don't want to feel like I'm overstepping my boundaries by pushing too much stuff out there. So that's kind of a way I can figure out, oh, well, it doesn't seem like it's over flooding. But when I started doing the live stream, I immediately saw, I think the first time I did it, I think I saw the the follower number drop by about 10. Um, And then, you know, it it always seems to drop between three and five whenever I do a live stream. Yesterday I did a live stream on Sunday and um, I think it only dropped one. Maybe that's because not as many people are paying attention on on a Sunday as they are during the business week. So, uh, but I, yeah, I, it was just one of those curious things I picked up. I was like, wow, that's that's definitely unique to what I've seen uh, when I post things that are not live related. So when I ask you what you think this is good for, I'm not really asking it uh, so much as uh, trying to suggest that it's good for something or it's not. And yeah. I, think, I think the jury is not out anymore. Uh, for those of us who have been experimenting in this area. I mean, I'm not on LinkedIn and have no uh, plans to do it, but, uh, you know, the, uh, you're using uh, LinkedIn as a, uh, an early stage uh, channel, and then you're, uh, you're doing excerpts of uh, some of the... Pro- uh, don't let me state this. You tell me how you're using this and broadening it to other social uh, net platforms. Yeah, for me, um, and I, I've kind of been doing this kind of stuff for a while, going back to when I had a little radio show here in Atlanta, it, it's always been focused on 
allowing me to um, have conversations that I think are really important in terms of, you know, at least of my interest in terms of subject matter and the people I have them with. And so it's a way for me to kind of build relationships with the kind of people that I want to engage. And that's from a, a, you know, an actual conversation with somebody, but also with people who would be interested in this kind of subjects and people I'm talking to. Uh, so that's really been the focus. And it also allows me to gain more insight into these subjects and gives me more information to leverage when I start forming opinions or looking at trends and things of that nature. Um, so that's always been the focus for me. It's been that. And, but what I've noticed, once again, I'm, you know, looking at what I kind of what happened on Facebook or what happened on YouTube, the I haven't really done a lot of video on Twitter. I do upload. I just actually uploaded a little segment of a conversation on Twitter. But even if I take that into consideration, the the difference with at least with LinkedIn, because I guess I have a pretty decent number of connections uh, and the people that I usually have these conversations with also has a pretty significant um, number of people. And it's all also focused in certain areas of interest. Um, that LinkedIn has been really interesting because it has raised the number of interactions the, the, the level of engagement has definitely increased. Uh, there's people that I had no idea uh, were even paying attention to, to what I was doing. Um, now, when I go to these conferences, it's like, hey, yeah, I just I saw that conversation you had with such and such or, wow, that was really cool. Or, hey, uh, is there any way I could be on there with you? Um, and that that is definitely uh, uh, picked up significantly um, since I really started uploading videos to LinkedIn. And then um, when this LinkedIn live thing, it, the other people are like, hey, can we do that? And, I mean, even at Connections, it was funny because you know, folks that you and I both know, um, they they were really serious about wanting to do it. <laughs> so um, it's, it, you know, from a personal standpoint, I I have definitely seen uh, positives out of doing this. I haven't seen really any negatives. Uh, it's been all positive. It's very easy to do once you kind of get into your rhythm. Um, and it allows you to have a, because video is becoming more, people are looking to video more for learning and understanding and for entertainment, even from a business perspective. I think this has allowed me to uh, reach more people in a, in a much more deeper way than even the writing has. So, and I think that's kind of a trend that we're still early, early innings when it comes to B2B, but you can see, and I know you see the writing on the wall. This stuff is really, this is, you know, the, kind of the future of engagement here. Well, you know, you, you talk about that in the context of, uh, you know, being an analyst, uh, you know, uh, running at some analyst and CRM events, uh, you know, you can see I mean, the, these may be small numbers relative to uh, broadcast uh, uh, strategies or even marketing strategies, but, uh, you know, the, the numbers in uh, percentage form have become very revealing because the shifts and the momentum that occurs and then the, the fan out and how it spreads through social channels is a, uh, it's fascinating to us I, I think also to the audience uh, and that can be positive it could also be negative as you're suggesting uh, with uh, you know the dropping in, in follower counts but I would suggest that the dropping of not to say that these people are not worth trying to uh, communicate with or uh, you know, somehow uh, inform them of what the content might be so that they don't feel overburdened by the frequency. But nonetheless, uh, it's to me, it's kind of like culling the herd, if you will. It's, uh, 
Yeah. Uh, you know, the value of the engagement and the relationships goes up, even if the volume and the quantity uh, goes down a small amount. So I, I think it's a net positive, not a negative. Yeah, I definitely think that because, uh, you know, some of these folks, they only send you uh, in, invitations to connect because they want to sell you something uh, or they want, to, you know, they're trying to do something. And I mean, I didn't go to LinkedIn to, to do anything other than to post my, you know, my, my basically online resume. I didn't. I wasn't trying to find a job or anything. I've, I've never done that with LinkedIn. So it's typically, and most of the people that I'm connected to, they send me the invite. So I'm guessing, and I, I've, I've had to tell people too in, in messages, hey, if you wanted to connect with me just because you wanted to sell me something, you, you might as well, you know, disconnect me. <laughs> so I, I, I don't really, I haven't really paid attention to the numbers until I was just like, this is all kind of a big experiment to me. And I just noticed, Oh, that's interesting. Now yeah, those numbers are going down when I do certain things around this LinkedIn live, but you're right. I think you're right. You know, I see higher levels of engagement. I get more, uh, you know, likes or whatever's and comments and shares across the board from any other thing. And so if that means that some folks, who initially wanted to connect with me and maybe they don't now because I'm, you know, I'm pushing more and more stuff out and they're tired of seeing my, me getting these notifications from me. Yeah, that's fine. I, I'm actually looking at the level of engagement I'm getting from folks who are interested in the kind of the subject matter and maybe just the conversation. Um, and, and that far exceeds, you know, that the other, you know, kind of people dropping off every now and again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Totally. Uh, so you've got, uh, you've pointed me at a conversation that you posted uh, on your, uh, what is the name of the site? Small Business Trends? Is that? Yeah. Smallbiztrends.com. Yeah. Uh, with uh, a journalist uh, or. A, uh, actually, a, he's the vice president of marketing for. Vidyard, who is, you know, they have a, a video platform for businesses. So uh, one of the, I'm, I'm sort of reaching for uh, a relationship with what you just said. Basically, one of the points he makes uh, about uh, the dynamics that they see, they have some report, which you could probably describe, but uh, I just want to go a little bit more granular right now, which is, he's basically talking about the value that's created. Uh, yeah, so just, you know, just a background. So Vidyard has a platform where people can load their videos on Vidyard as opposed to, you know, YouTube or Vimeo or something like that. And then they have a code that allows uh, the folks who, you know, their customers to understand a little bit more about, you know, it provides a ton more actually video analytics. And it also... Uh, works as kind of a a way to automate the lead generation plot process by using video. So they can tell you, uh, you, they can integrate with a marketing automation platform and you can sit on the email marketing campaign and have the video uh, embedded into the actual email message. And then they can tell you who's opening the, uh, the video, who's watching, how, you know, what percentage of them that are watching. And then based on that data, that those analytical data pieces, you could have uh, processes, automated process kickoff. So if this person in, you know, has this title at this company in this industry, they watched 75% of the video you just sent. Well, here's the, here's the action that uh, could be kicked off based on that data. So that's the kind of platform they provide. So, so in, they, in terms of the trends that they're uh, observing, uh, can you summarize the ones that you find interesting? Yeah. So uh, I think they said they analyzed 300,000 videos or something like that, B2B videos. And um, one of the things that kind of, well, a couple of things that kind of stood out to me is that I think they said they've been doing this uh, report for four years. And 
year over year over year over year, they said that the length of these business focused videos is, is just constantly dropping. Uh, I think it started out somewhere in the seven minute range four years ago. And now the average video from, from B2B com companies is I think right around four minutes. So that has significantly come down. Now they said 73% of those, of those videos are actually under two minutes, um, which is pretty significant. So you, you, you know, the folks started out very long form. Now they're kind of you know, getting it down because let's face it, people's attention is short and they're trying to get their message across in as little amount of time as possible. Well, I think we were still talking about the Rams as a soccer team at the <laughs> two-minute mark, so I'm not sure how that relates <laughs> to what well, I'm interested in. But well, here's the good part. Thanks. So the, besides the Rams being a football team, uh, the two-minute videos are usually clips that kind of set up the longer-form videos, so webinar videos, interview videos. They may... They, they still have them and they're doing more of them. But what they found is if they're able to call out a nugget and, and it's a nugget that's less than two minutes, that at least the people who watch the two minute P, uh, video, they're going to there's going to be a higher percentage of those actually watching to completion than when it was just a four minute or a six minute or seven minute video with no follow-up action to go to the longer form video. So you're seeing a little bit more savviness being involved. Uh, one stat that blew me away because we are, we're in the age of mobile, but only 13% of these business oriented videos are being watched on mobile devices. The, you know, the vast majority of these business related videos are still being watched on laptops and desktops which is kind of counterintuitive to what everything else is going on. I think he makes the point that, uh, uh, you know, the desktop uh, is a bigger form factor and allows for a longer video to be, you know, viewed from a, uh, you know, a slight distance. And, you know, basically the size of the screen allows for more graphics and, uh, you know, more drill down capability and multitasking. He didn't say this, but, uh, the ability with uh, a laptop and hopefully in the next version or two of uh, the iPad Pro, uh, the ability to be able to have multiple things going on. Yeah, I think that helps. But I think also, let's face it, uh, business B2B specifically kind of videos, you know, they're they're typically, you know, if they're done by a marketing department, there's it's like high polish, but they come off as commercials. And who wants to watch, uh, you know, uh, sit, you know, watch commercial, you know, on your 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 phone? You're, you're trying to get away from all that stuff. Um, so I think it's still very consumer orientation when it comes to uh, video that's mobile versus, you know, what I guess business folks are doing by way of. Let's face it, who wants to do a webinar on a, on a phone too? I mean, that's something I don't really want to do. Um, and, and I guess interview content, you can see that you can see that on a, on a mobile device, but it seems to me like business is still oriented to bigger screens or being in an office environment or at least having a laptop. Um, whereas, you know, most of the consumer related video is easy to consume uh, on the go. So but I well, think that's going to be a trend that'll change over time too. Of course. Yeah, I, I think it's uh, already changed because uh, notifications are not really built out on on desktop devices uh, at all, and uh, you know I think that the the dynamics of what's going on with uh, with your experiments with LinkedIn Live and uh, just in general uh, all all these platforms on mobile devices, you may not think. Uh, that it's important. I mean, most people think that notifications are uh, an interruption and irritation, uh, that they're spam, that there's too many of them, that they need to turn all notifications off. But increasingly, I think people are realizing that 
in their heart of hearts, they may leave uh, certain, you know, they're not going to turn notifications from their uh, better half or, or whoever it is that they uh, communicate with. They want to know uh, when something's happening, if it's something that they can help with or uh, something that they need to know about. Uh, the notification space is super important. And I think that's entirely mobile at this point. Yeah. I mean, I've got notifications because every, every uh, mostly website you go to now on your, even if you're on your desktop or laptop, they always hit you right up. Is it all right if we send you notifications? And for the most part, I say, no, there's, I got like a handful of notifications that, that I let go through on the desktop. But I think you're right. I think notifications are definitely more oriented to uh, mobile devices. And, and, and I think your experience with uh, uh, your LinkedIn experiments uh, suggests that uh, they may be, uh, you know, the, 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 it's the law of, of small numbers, not big numbers. They may be uh, less of them, but their, their impact is greater. Yeah, yeah, I think, um, and I think people are used to managing notifications on their mobile devices and not as much, it doesn't feel as natural on your desktops and laptops because you, you, know, you have to do it more manually, it seems, than you have to do it on your, uh, your uh, mobile device. And I think also with like the LinkedIn Live notifications, um, yeah, I guess you, know, you you would only get those, or for the most part, you would only really see it on a mobile device because you don't, I, I don't think most people have not LinkedIn notifications set up on their desktop or laptop. So, um, you know, I, we're going to, we're, we're taking, you know, we're already, uh, I don't know what the uh, recidivism rate is for 36 minutes, uh, which is where we are now. Uh, frankly, I think that it's calling the herd, uh, and I think it's a good thing. But uh, uh, that's, you know, the Gilmore gang uh, talking to you. But the, uh, uh, the thing that uh, this leads me to is understanding how you see this or whether you uh, think that there's a relationship between this and two things. One podcasting, uh, which seems to be uh, proliferating in a way. I mean, the Gilmore Gang was probably the second podcast uh, back in the beginning. Wow. Uh, so uh, it, it doesn't, as, as we covered on some show that uh, uh, <laughs> uh, we'll never see the light of day. Oh, don't be so sure about that. Oh, I'm, I'm positive. Uh, you know, I have my uh, min minions are out there uh, erasing <laughs> the, the bits as we speak. <laughs> but the, the uh, you know, the, that's one thing. And then the other thing is your uh, interest in research and uh, publishing in the area of smart speakers' voice. Yeah, can you tie those uh, trends or uh, potential trends together in any uh, way? Yeah, well, definitely when it comes to, uh, let me turn my, uh, make sure, okay, I had to turn my, uh, echo device off because when I mention the A word, she starts talking. Oh, uh, yes. So I mean, definitely there's a correlation. You've seen all sorts of studies that show that since Amazon came out with the echo, when we're still not even five years into this, uh, you know, podcasting was kind of on the downwards turn. It, it seemed like it kind of had peaked and was starting to kind of go the other direction, but it definitely seems like in data there's some studies that pat, uh, kind of back this up that podcasts has breathed new life uh, to smart speakers have breathed new life into podcasts yeah how so uh, you, because you're seeing more and more people actually listening to podcasts and a lot of that is is coming through smart speakers and and you could call it podcasts or you could call it like uh, Amazon calls them uh, daily briefings uh, which is basically the same thing um, but more and more audio content just in general, more music being listened to, more books being read uh, because of these smart speaker devices. And that also has the same effect on podcasts. 
And so you, more and more, you're seeing not only, you know, uh, people listening to podcasts, you know, the traditional way they listen to them, either in front on their laptop or even on a, on a mobile phone, but more and more, they're listening to them, you know, in their car, because you have these things in your smart assistants in your car, you got it in your office, you got it in your house, you got them in all rooms in your house. So it has definitely impacted just the general general consumption of audio content has increased. And, you know, I don't know. I'm guessing it's causal, but you don't have to say it's causal. You could just say the fact is more and more people are listening to audio content and these devices are in more and more houses as the years go along. It's the um, new radio, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, you can see there's a huge impact. And I think it, you're seeing um, the the folks that are ahead of way ahead of the curve have already transitioned into making their audio content accessible uh, through these devices. And, you know, the mainstream folks uh, they're still a ways away, um, but you can see it happening. So yeah, absolutely. So okay. you, you're starting to see more of these devices have screens. So it's not just you know the Echo shows. Uh, but you know, Google has theirs. Facebook tried to put theirs out. Nobody seems to care about it. Um, but more and more of these devices are going to have a a visual component, so you can not only listen to podcasts, you're going to be watching, you know, your video uh, favorite company's video show uh, by just asking Alexa to play that. So connect the dots back to uh, your LinkedIn and. Uh live uh, experiments i think the main thing with that i started out i started out like you said before like uh 10 12 years ago i was doing uh radio shows that ended up being podcasts because those were those shows were recorded and then i would put them out had a website for them people could you know watch or, or read the transcript or listen to it and then I did the same thing with small business trends. I've been doing that series. It's hard to believe, but since 2010 and uh, more and more, you know, it started out as audio, stripped it into a podcast, created edited transcript. Now it's video because people it's, you know, people are viewing and they're taking more information uh, via sound and sight as opposed to, you know, text. And so the more, the easier that gets, the, the more uh, affordable the technology is, the more broadband that we have available, uh, you know, you have 5G coming out and that's going to have a tremendous impact. Uh, it's just going to feed the beast. I mean, you know, look at how we consume video with Netflix, not, not just the YouTube stuff, but just, you know, the high-end stuff. And, you know, we binge this stuff now. We can't wait to get it. There's so much of it out there. And I think just as that has gone a certain direction, uh, you know, being able to binge at your own, you know, on your time, you know, all this time shifting, you're seeing broadband and time shifting and, and content the way you want it uh, driving everything. And so that, that means that business people have to react to that as well. And if you want your... If you want your message to reach the target audience, then you have to take note of all these these uh, trends and how they're they're impacting the way people receive information and want to receive information and services. So you 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 just you're going that direction. You're going to have to go that direction. Why fight it? Uh, and when you say target audience, maybe uh, uh, another way of saying it is target relationship. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Because. The, the whole idea is not just to have, at least for me, it's, I, I prefer a relationship that is both going both ways. I want to learn and I, hopefully people will get some, you know, positives out of the stuff I do, uh, as opposed to, you know, the old traditional way, which is very much so a one direction. You know, it comes from one place and doesn't really take in feedback or input and leverage that to, to create a more uh, meaningful experience for for the folks on the other end of the bullhorn, so to speak. And so I think that's key. And, 
you have all sorts of data being collected that shows, you know, companies that are showing, you know, what what their podcast audience listens to, how which device they listen to it on, uh, which room in their house do they listen to it on, what time of day, and and because they're able to take this data, this this these really valuable pieces of information, and turn that back around in an experience that is even more suitable or more desirable to that audience because you're, you're taking that, all that data that's now available that you could never get before. And you're not just looking at it and saying, Oh, that's nice. But you're saying, wow. So if we do it this way, we may be able to get even more uh, interaction from them. So yeah, that, that, that's, we're at a point now where we're, if we're smart, if we're willing to take some, you know, do some tests and some observation, you're able to find, at least in the way I'm seeing it, you're able to find a, a, a continually improved way to stay connected with the folks that you want to stay connected with or the themes that you want to stay connected with or the conversations you want to stay connected with. Yeah, there's more of a permission uh, relationship. Yeah, and the permission is based on you leveraging the feedback that they're giving you, either directly or indirectly, and doing something with it. And the, you know, the chances of them not feeling interrupted or uh, violated by a notification, uh, those chances go way up uh, if they feel that, that they're giving permission to... Uh, nodes or sources that uh, are aware of and respectful of that relationship. Uh, that translates, I think, into not only better business, but better uh, concern for privacy and some of the broader themes that we are uh, having to grapple with about social. I think so. I mean, I'm looking, I, we were, before we started recording, I was telling you, I was watching this, uh, this, thing on the you know, the Byzantine Empire. I was really watching that, by the way. Yeah, I don't understand how the, <laughs> uh, the Rolling Stones relates to that. Right. But so, the, so I actually became a Patreon uh, supporter of this site because I like their, I like their content and they, and they, I see the comments and I see them responding and you can, and they, they say, based on feedback, here's, here's uh, the next story we're doing. That's that 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 is a great model. I mean, who, why wouldn't you want to get the feedback of the and use the feedback of the folks that you're trying to engage with your content? And why not show them that you're using their feedback by creating more suitable experiences, whether it's, you know, the kind of content they want or the kind of service they want. But it's it's a, it's showing you that it's showing them that you're not only in it just for their eyeballs but you really do welcome their feedback and because that actually gets their eyeballs even more. So it's, it's like, why wouldn't you want to do stuff like this? All right. Well, I think that uh, I'm, every time I see your uh, LinkedIn uh, notifications popping up, uh, you know, I think about it for a second. And then because there's absolutely no information about what you're doing, uh, I just have to take a, a chance. And because of uh, knowing who you are and your enthusiasm and, uh, you know, spirit, uh, I click on it. And uh, I'm frequently rewarded. So uh, I appreciate your uh, uh, joining GGX here uh, and doing that as well. Well, first of all, thanks. I appreciate that. And thanks for uh, being what the the second podcast ever i mean that there's a timeline involved in all this stuff and you're uh, right at the front of it yeah but i don't know uh what that's uh you know so what <laughs> well and if anybody wants to hear that story i know where they can find it uh, i uh, you'll be hearing from my attorney <laughs> okay so this has been uh Gilmore Gang X or GGX, uh, and that is uh, uh, with Brent Leary, uh, one of the principals of 
uh, CRM play is. We didn't get a chance to uh, talk about what the hell that means. Um, I know. Jeez. But, but you know, the, I think it's the flagship right now, just in terms of uh, goodwill, right? Absolutely. Uh, it's funny you mentioned that because I just got the an instant message from CRM player number one, Paul Greenberg, and he's on a train from New York heading to D.C. And he, uh, I just told him I was talking with you. He told me to tell you hi. So there it is. Well, he's a great man, as are you. And uh, I look forward to uh, uh, your continued exploits uh, and uh, I definitely encourage anybody who is uh, uh, in need of uh, having constant ir irritating interruptions, uh, <laughs> you're at you're at the top of that list. Either that, or if they're interested in learning more about the Byzantine Empire. Yeah, and what that has to do with the wrong songs. <laughs> maybe you can find out, and if so, let us know. All right, this is uh, Steve Gilmore. This has been a conversation with Steve Gilmore and Brent Leary. And uh, uh, hope you'll uh, stay tuned.